0: You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family.
1: What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are
0: listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning, everybody. I am Glenn Geek in Ocala, Florida.
2: And I am Lisa Wysocki, and today I am in Mound, Minnesota. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for July 5th, episode 3217. This episode is brought to you by Kevin Equine. Good morning, Horse World.
3: I put 40 hours in this weekend, man, it's only Wednesday. I've been cussing this damn heat all day long. There's got to be another way.
0: Why so pick up my guitar. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Lisa is here filling in for Jamie. Jamie and Chad and Lucas decided to take a quick trip for the holidays to Mexico. So Woo-hoo! and then I read the other day that she forgot her phone at home. And that that's like such a Jamie thing to do. <laughs> but phone. you know, kind of freeing in a way, I would think. Well, I think yeah, there's two camps on that. One is the people like me who would just fret about it the entire time, and two is the people who would go, Oh, this is nice. Yeah. I, I don't think I'd be one of those people. <laughs> I think I would be with you, Glenn. I, I would be totally freaked out. Oh, Jennifer, too. You know, the horses, blah, blah. But Chad has his (laughs) phone, so I guess that's okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, Today on the show, Dennis Thompson's going to join us. He's the founder of uh, Gypsy Vanner Horse Society and Gypsy Gold Farm right down the street, literally about five minutes from Jennifer and I here in Ocala. And he's going to settle some misconceptions about Gypsy Vanners. Uh, Dr. Tanya Cubit is joining us from Performance Horse Nutrition to speak about electrolytes and salt and mental health skills for riders. We're going to talk about that a little later in the show as well. Plus, in the Auditor Post show, we're going to talk about barn and farm chores that we all hate. So that's what's coming on. You know what I hate? Going to bed at midnight because, oh my God, we live in a neighborhood that is probably 70% Latino within the five blocks around us. And oh my God, they love fireworks. <laughs> it was sounded it literally sounded like a war. There was a time when I could look out my back window and see fireworks, look out my front window and see fireworks all at the same time and it went on like that till midnight. It was just on and on and on and on. So, I don't know. How I'm, I'm kind of,
2: same thing, Glenn. You know, I'm, I'm on a lake here in Minnesota, and you can go down to the dock and sit and watch like eight different communities set off their fireworks. And then, of course, even though it's illegal here in, in this area to set off your own private fireworks, everybody does it anyway, and people are out on boats setting off their fireworks. So, kind of like you, it was, it was intense. Um, not quite till midnight, but at least in until 11 o'clock. People spend a lot of money. On <laughs> oh, my goodness. They are not cheap. And, you know, I mean, I, I feel so bad for the animals because I was sitting down at the dock and I was watching like blue herons and seagulls and penguins just flying around, just pretty traumatized because of the noise. And uh, so I just felt really bad for them. And then I had to sedate my little dog, too, because uh, she gets a little freaked out.
0: Well, we hope that all of you survived, that your horses and pets survived uh, the evening. And uh, I'll get it. I want to talk to you about one of our hosts that didn't do so well last night, mm. and it it wasn't because of fireworks. So we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but first, you know, on a happy note, uh, Nathan's hot dog eating contest happened yesterday. Now, normally I do this every year, talk about it just to annoy Jamie, the vegetarian. Um, but uh, th- I can't do that this year, but I'm still going to talk about it. So Miki Sudo is was the female winner. It was her ninth win. She consumed 39 and a half hot, dog, it's hot dogs and buns in Ten minutes. I just.
2: I have watched some of these over the years. I think they are disgusting. Yeah, they're kind of disgusting. I can't imagine. I can't can't imagine what she felt like afterward.
0: I can't either. So. Apparently what happened was there was rain on and off at of Coney Island, of course, in New York and rain on and off. Well, right when they got done with the women's contest, it was so close to call. It was so close. It was a photo finish, actually. It took them a while. They had to count all the plates because each hot dog comes on a separate plate. So they counted all the plates and that's how they had to determine, watch the replay and determine who won. Oh, so wow. it was that close. It was a photo finish in the women's wow. contest.
2: And then so I uh, guess. Yeah. I guess you don't have to, like, swallow it. You just have to be in your mouth and off the plate?
0: I think you have to swallow it. I think that's part of okay. the rule. Okay. <laughs> um, then the skies opened up, apparently, and it poured. So they there was all this controversy. Are they going to cancel the men's? Are they not going to do the men's? What are they going to do? And it took two hours, and, and apparently, you know, they get thousands of people there to watch this. Oh, yeah. The, apparently, the people hung around, the press hung around, and they decided after two hours, the rain let up a bit, so they did the men's contest. Can you imagine eating soggy buns and hot dogs for... No. <laughs> no. Well, Joey Chestnut won again uh, for like his 85th time, and he he downed 62 hot dogs and what? buns in 10 minutes. 62. Oh, Glenn, that's... <laughs> <laughs> now, H- I- H- have you
2: seen a picture of him?
0: Yes. I mean, is he
2: like ginormous? No.
0: No, really? neither one of them are. That's the thing wow. about these 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 serious, you know, eating contest people, and there's a whole group of them. Uh, yeah. They're usually pretty skinny, and I don't know how they stay that way, but <laughs> they well, just have good think, metabolism.
2: <laughs> maybe it doesn't all stay down.
0: Yeah, though. that's what I'm thinking.
2: It comes out one end or the other. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hot dogs it would. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> Each of them won ten grand, so congratulations to both of them. And I got to talk about it this year without uh, Jamie just totally freaking out. So uh, yeah, well
2: there you go. Yeah,
0: you only freaked out a little.
2: I uh, yeah, I'm not a hot dog fan.
0: So (laughs) daily winning time. Well, we have some auditor birthdays, Amanda Coro, Kimberly Smiley, Ariel Wolf, and our own Helena Harris of the Stalin Stable Show. It's her birthday as well. Also, I wanted to give a, a daily winning to one of our Aussie auditors named Shannon. I just wanted to tell her we're pulling for you. I did a post in the auditor room about what's going on. She's had a tough go of it this year, and we're yeah. just thinking about you. Somebody else had a tough go of it, too, is our own Dr. Wendy Ying from the Driving Radio show. She co. She's the other fill-in host. It's Lisa and Doctor Wendy. Um, <laughs> so uh, Doctor Wendy, we for years and years, ever since I've known her, which is fifteen years now, I have been on her case because she wears flip flops everywhere. She's a veterinarian. She goes to vet calls on, in flip flops. Wow. And for years and years, we've kept saying, "You're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt." And uh, so she notified me this morning that she got hurt so oh no yes yeah, and but it was not on a vet call with large horses stomping on her, her bare feet it was her flip-flop got caught on the puppy gate at the house and she went tumbling <laughs> and broke her leg no <laughs> oh that sounds so painful it's funny because she breaks her leg on a puppy gate. It's the first <laughs> broken bone she's had in her entire life. She's done really. She, she does wicked skiing and all these dangerous activities all the time. And you know it's Wendy. She's not all that careful. Yeah. And so yet, yeah, and wore flip flops on all her vet calls for for since she's been a veterinarian, and she hurts yeah, herself on the. Puppy you would gate. think
2: <laughs> that she would she would have broken her leg like skydiving or something. Uh, yeah. No
0: puppy gate. But isn't that wow. where they say most of the accidents happen? Is at home. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So,
0: you know, if you're going to be in a cast, this is a good time in Florida to do it. It's like 100 degrees every day, and you're not going out anyways. <laughs> she, well, this is true. This is true. I told yeah. her she needs to get a pink one. So, well, anyway, Wendy, <laughs> we're thinking about you. And I didn't laugh the whole morning, just part of the morning this morning. This She thought it was funny, too. <music>
2: Okay. So, Glenn, my, my daily whinny, and I'm so glad uh, I'm co-hosting with you today because, um, uh, my, my daily whinny actually goes out to Jamie and she knows this story. So, uh, I want to share it with you. And, uh, and, and so about, um, About a month ago, I was on a plane. I was coming back from Washington, D.C., and we're sitting on the plane for the longest time, and then we go out to the tarmac, and we're sitting there. We're sitting there waiting to take off, and the pilot comes back on and says, well, we're going to go back to the gate because our left engine is not starting. And You kind of need that. You kind of need that. And I am not a good flyer anyway. I I tend to be a little bit nervous on an airplane. And so we go back to the gate and we're sitting there and sitting there and the pilot comes back on and said, well, it's the starter. So we're going to replace the starter. And uh, the nearest starter is in Baltimore, which is an hour away. So just hang tight. And so I'm just kind of freaking out because I'm thinking, I don't want to be on a plane where they've just put a new starter in and they haven't test driven it. So the only person <laughs> I know who has any connection to planes and flying is Jamie. So I texted Jamie and I said, you know, I'm on this plane and I'm freaking out and I think I'm having an anxiety attack. I'm going to have a meltdown. And she was so calm and so reassuring and she got Chad on the text and he said, Look, trust your trust your captain. He knows what he's doing. He's not gonna let you Well he didn't want to die either. So No, exactly. And which was good sense, but of course I wasn't thinking that way. You know, I'm thinking, you know, I'm gonna die. It's all about me at that point.
0: (laughs) That is true (laughs) though when you're on a plane.
2: Yeah. So How long did it take? Well, so they eventually let us off the plane, and then they canceled the flight, mm. and then they which probably
0: made me. you feel better.
2: Well, it did, except they rebooked me for the next day. And I had to be back in Nashville because I had a speaking engagement. So I got them to put me on a plane. This is Southwest, by the way. Uh, put me on a plane out of Baltimore uh, through Atlanta. I got into Nashville like at 1.30 in the morning. And the shuttles are only running like, I don't know, every, every hour or something. So I wait for the shuttle. And then I get to the, the parking area. And I'm third in line to get out of the the parking lot and the gates aren't working. So we have to wait, <laughs> oh me and the, the the two people in front of me and I have to have to wait till the shuttle circles back around another 45 minutes. And he has to call somebody to get the gates working. I mean, it was like six 30 in the morning when I got oh my home. God. Anyway, but I my, my daily whinny goes out to Jamie because I, I'm sure she had a thousand other things to do than talk me off a ledge, you know?
0: <laughs> and, <laughs> that does suck. And you know what? We we had a couple twenty-four hour or longer days on our trip to Europe. Uh, that's harder when you're older.
2: It is. It is. Yeah. When I when I was twenty I could do that. Yeah. And then but I had to, you know, then I had to show up, you know, like at nine o'clock at, at this thing and be bright eyed and bushy tailed and coherent. Um so <laughs> And
0: so, when you got home, did you just collapse?
2: Oh I did. Yeah, I did. I was so tired. <laughs> it was and really, I mean, it was like the next day too. It was like I don't recover as from something like that as quickly as I would have
0: years ago. No, we're too old for <laughs> that stuff. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. So Jamie, thank you. Thank you. She's a she's a good uh calming influence. <laughs>
0: <laughs> She'd be happy to hear that. Yeah. Well, uh, let's go to our first guest right after we hear from our good friends at Kemen Equine. We're going to be speaking to Dennis Thompson. He's the founder of the Gypsy Vanner Horse Society. He was one of the first people to bring Gypsy Vanners into the United States. He has a farm called Gypsy Gold Farm. He actually does tours. So there's a couple things you have to do when you come to Ocala. See the World Equestrian Center, obviously. And then you go take a, a tour of the Gypsy Gold Farm, which we pass when we trail ride. So from our new boarding stable where we are, we actually go by Gypsy Gold Farm. It's right near the Florida Horse Park. And he's, he's the expert in gypsies in the United States. And we're going to chat with him and find out what are some of the biggest misconceptions people have about gypsy banners. We've had no shortage of stress this past year, and a lot of our attention has been focused on maintaining our health and immunity. Stress and illness can actually form a vicious cycle in humans and also in horses. Elevated cortisol levels caused by stressors like extreme weather, disease, diet changes, travel, and trailering can throw your horse's health and immune function out of whack. But did you know you can help reduce the negative impacts of stress by feeding your horse chromium every day? By lowering the levels of the stress hormone cortisol and optimizing overall energy use, feeding chromium results in improved body upkeep, health and immunity, performance, and overall well-being. To ensure you're supporting your horse, don't feed just any chromium. Feed your horse the only FDA-reviewed source of chromium propanate on the market today. ChemTrace Chromium from Chemin Equine. Ask for it by name and stress less. Learn more about Chemtrace Chromium at chemin.com slash chromium EQ. That's chemin, K E M I N.com slash chromium EQ. Dennis, thanks for joining us. Hi, Glenn. Thanks for having me. So, Dennis, we when we go trail riding from our boarding stable, we go by your place to the horse park. Yep. Yeah, so yep. I know exactly where you're at. You have a beautiful farm out there. It's called Gypsy Gold Farm, and I, I mentioned in your intro that you do tours out there. I said there's two things you got to do when you come to Ocala. you got to go to the World Equestrian Center and then overtake the Gypsy Gold Tour. Well, that's awesome. I appreciate it, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people yeah. have over the years. Oh, yeah, yeah.
3: It's a popular
0: tour, yeah. So tell me, we've talked about gypsies in the past. That's one of the reasons you contacted me, actually. Um, right. What are the biggest min- misconceptions people have about gypsy banners?
3: I think probably just that word, gypsies. Uh, they, you know, during the tour, I break down uh, the breed based on people, vision, species, So gypsies are one of the most colorful, least understood societies on earth. They had a vision to create a specific looking horse soon after World War II, inspired by two stallions called Sunny Maze and the Coal Horse. And selective breeding uh, began then and continued uh, towards this ultimate goal for 60 years until and known in their culture, but not outside of their culture, Until in 1995, my late wife and I had been we were doing research on the Shire horse in northern Wales and we were on our way back to London and she saw a little black and white horse and she asked me if I saw it and I didn't. And I said, you want me to go back? And she said no. And then she changed her mind. And and that was the beginning of uh, quite an odyssey.
0: (laughs) So (laughs) So, up to that point, were there any gypsies in the United States? People? Pete, or, no, or, Gypsy yes. Banners, actually. <laughs> right, no, 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 none. Okay. No, none whatsoever. No.
3: No, it was not recognized. The breed was not recognized anywhere in the world. Uh it was the only gypsies that knew uh about this selective breeding program. And and we spent that day in a gypsy camp and he invited us uh to a place we'd see hundreds of colored horses, but none as good as his. And so we became the first Americans to ever attend. The oldest Gypsy horse fair in the world, three hundred and thirty-eight years old, called Appleby.
0: Yeah, and, talked about. Uh, it. Yeah,
3: we were. Yeah, we were there for ten days, and then spent the next four years uh, tracing that original horse's history through three countries. So today, there's about eleven thousand registered Gypsy Vanner horses in America. Seventy percent will have the name of that first horse's DNA-verified father in their pedigrees, and one hundred and fifty percent. We'll have the names of one of the best three signs we ever found in a horse called the Lawbeard horse that are the, uh, the fathers or grandfathers to four or six, uh, let me see, 15 of the 16 or, excuse me, 13 of the 14 mares that we brought to America. Oh. So it's crazy. It's a crazy story.
0: <laughs> but, and so they were yeah. mixed up. There were, I know there were some, what, uh, Dale's ponies, fell ponies, some uh, you know, Shires, Clydesdales, they were, they were, no, uh, no? Uh, are they all mixed no, well, up? Well,
3: there's that, the, the difference is the, the
0: centerpiece of
3: the breed would be, uh, the Dale's pony would be involved in that because okay. they're a heavier than the fells pony. And, uh, And maybe a little more hair on their legs, the really good ones. So it's primarily Clydesdale Shire, Dale's Pony, and the original Frisian, Hmm. which is involved in the development of all three of those other breeds. So the Frisian was the first heavy horse evolving from the forest horse. And Romans took Frisians to Great Britain uh, as a war horse. And then they developed the uh, Clydesdale, Shire, Dale's Pony, Fell's Pony, and all this type of thing. But I, I was real close friends with a gypsy they called King of the Colored Horses. He had the same bloodlines from a time he was 19 years old to 78. He told me that the Dale's Pony is the centerpiece. That's the one that really made, uh, gave you the end result that you were after because of the 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 look is of a small Shire with more hair, more color, and a sweeter head. Although they're not. A color breed they're a body type so uh, some of the greatest sires and dams in the history of breed are black but back to your original question uh i think people are this is the world's first internet breed and it's kind of fun and and uh oh i don't know uh, to use the word gypsy i think americans think of esmeralda and dance around a campfire you know Uh, but it can be an oppressive term in uh certain parts of the world and i I'm, I'm pretty committed to help people understand uh, the um, only one place in the world is that an umbrella term, and that's Great Britain. So, I, on my tours, I help people understand how many different types of people live under that umbrella term, and I use it to bring a better understanding to them. The word vanner means a horse suitable to pull a caravan in the English Chambers Dictionary, and it means vanna in the Romany glossary means a caravan horse. Oh, I didn't so, if realize you think of okay. it, Yes, if you think of American Quarter Horse, people vision species. So Gypsy Vanner horse is the same thing. People vision species, and uh, the Vanner part of it is what you need to well, you need to understand what that is and how it was made. There are select genetics that made that. There's a specific look. It's simple to understand, but it isn't as there's not as many of them as as you would think uh there is you know when you get on the internet
0: well yeah the because man, uh, people photographers yeah. love to take pictures of gypsy vanners so no, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah no question
3: yeah. No, oh yeah
0: oh it's just you know it's it's got most- <laughs> yeah
3: yeah no exactly yeah it's certainly one of the most beautiful horses in the world and uh, you can imagine what uh, in 1995 uh, my late wife and i had uh well we had 700 animals uh, we lived where paparelli lives today and uh uh, so we were unique, and uh, we sat on a plane coming home from meeting that first horse, and I uh, sat there quietly, and I looked at her, and I thought, is it possible that there's a breed that isn't recognized as a breed in 1995? And sure enough, you know, that was the case, but uh, what
0: a journey. You so know? how so, many are in the United States now? There's a little over 11,000 registered. Wow, that's a long uh, way from your few that you brought over, isn't it? Sixteen. Yeah. we yeah. brought
3: two two out of three of the best style's we ever found and fourteen mares. And eleven of the fourteen mares are daughters of the best three styles we ever found. So uh and one is the daughter of a very famous star called the lobbier tour. She lobbies her to the side when they looked at you. Uh, so
0: yeah. I know uh, I, I know they do a little bit of everything other than stand around we, and look cute. Um but they I did, know they, yeah. they you know, you they ride, they drive. Are they is there something that they're mostly used for in the United States? Uh, you know, I think dressage might
3: fit in that category, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily think that. But um, Lynn Palm trained the Gypsy King uh, for his introduction in 1998 yeah. at Equitana, USA. And a lady named Pam Fowler Grace trained him for a, a fundraiser in Houston. And she she called me, she's an 87-time USDF champion, uh, gold medalist, and Olympic contender for 2008 in China. And she called me on her way to the World Equestrian Games in Kentucky. And she said, he's one of the most extraordinary horses of any breed I've ever ridden in my life. That's the Gypsy King that she was riding. So they can be, some of them are really talented. And his offspring or granddaughters or whatever, uh, he's had a few uh, Grand Prix uh Pre-St. George, I think, even a couple of them. So they're capable. Yeah. You
2: know, Dennis, I, I come from a therapeutic riding background, and okay, it's not yeah. uncommon for me to see a gypsy vanner in a, a therapeutic riding program just because exactly. they are so versatile and that, you know, they can, they have that wide base and, and their personality, yeah. you know, and intelligence leads them to that work. And, and, but yet they can handle, yes. you know, independent riders as well and, and, you know, do yes. the trail and obstacle thing. And so I, I love the versatility.
3: I am trying to create a thing called Cindy Sevens, uh, which is a where I will create certified therapy horses. Uh, their job is to go off and bring people luck. And uh, it's quite a, a it's a fascinating program. It's, it's too in-depth to get involved in it here. But they're uniquely suited uh, as therapy horses. And uh, they have a flea factor, I think, that's less evolved than the typical horse. They don't get scared as easy, and they get over it quicker and they have a kindness. They, they like mm-hmm. people. And they uh, I, believe, I believe that this is kind of far out maybe, but I believe it's in their hair and in their color. Did you know that if you breed a fox to be friendly, he'll turn colors?
2: I did. I read something about that, and I saw something, I think on PBS a couple of years ago, and within a couple of generations, you've got like a multicolored fox.
3: Exactly. So melanin and adrenaline are linked. And so, uh, whether that's true with any, you know, we, are, I mean, most of us remember the old paint mare that, uh, you know, as a kid that was always, uh, seemed to be the favorite. I don't know if that was color cause they were sweeter, you know, but we had one in our neighborhood that I just loved. And, uh, and then the hair, nothing but hairy legged horses made the banner because hair is an additive or cumulative gene. And, uh, it you don't have any choice but to breed hair to hair to maintain or increase hair, and all those go back to the forest horse, so the evolution of say the Frisian or whatever it may be the Frisian originally was the first heavy horse, and they were going extinct and the uh, story is they crossed him with Andalusian or uh, I think some say Oldenburg or something, but both smooth legged horses, so they changed the look of the Frisian by doing that, where here gypsies knew that you could only breed hair to hair. So nothing but hairy legged horses. And so the original gentle, I mean, gentle giant is, uh, the forest horse who had hair on his legs. So, uh, you know, that's all theory based, but it's, you know, if you're starting with the original gentle giant and you stick with one of the features of the gentle giant, then common sense tells you that, you know, you'll maintain the integrity of, of that gentle kindness, you know? So
0: You know, Dennis, I, I know there's a couple of celebrities that have helped this breed quite a bit too. Uh, Miranda yep. Lambert and uh, yes. um, Martha Stewart. Yes. Martha
3: Stewart, yeah, it's, she did a blog about us and it was the uh, largest response she's ever received, 1.7 million hits. And uh, Miranda was here and rode the Gypsy King before he died. She's got five of these horses and her record company is Vanner Records uh, which is a a real uh, fabulous thing. Yeah, I'm trying to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: that's yeah, good yeah. for the breed. I don't think.
3: Yeah, I don't think most people know that a record company is called Vanner Records, but uh, you know, uh, it's fun for me to talk about anyway. You know, so, but I would love for her to even get more involved, and you know, hopefully one day that might happen.
0: But well, so, you started something also called the Gypsy Vanner uh, Horse Society. Tell us about that. I, I did.
3: Yeah, it's uh the Gypsy Vanner Horse Society is uh was uh, established November 24, 1996. It's the oldest breed registry in the world for a selectively bred horse raised by British Gypsies. It's the only one founded on an in-depth study of British Gypsies and their horses. And the name Gypsy Vanner Horse is the only name chosen by every every dimension of the umbrella term that live in Great Britain. There's three type four types of people that developed the Vanner breed and that's uh they're called didikai uh one is called irish and scottish travelers people called rom or romany that uh derived from india that's the original gypsies and uh and there's people who live a gypsy lifestyle that uh, are not connected culturally to any uh specific background it's a life choice they made and uh, actually, the guy called King of the Colored Horses fits into that category. So we ask every dimension uh, to choose between Romany Horse and Gypsy Vanner Horse. They, before the name Gypsy Vanner Horse was born, they were all called colored horses or colored cobs. I'm an international salesman. I design products for animals. Uh, I'm responsible for adjustable dog collars and adjustable dog harnesses and all kinds of things. And I know... Uh, the vernacular of, of horse, uh, products. And, and so cob means a five to 800 pound horse in America. It means an 800 to 1100 pound horse in Europe. And, um, uh, it's a, con- it's a confusing thing. I bought a a yearling cob halter from chicks the other day and it fit my weanling. So it just, it's <laughs> a, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, so that's true, who-
0: we have trouble fitting my little hackney pony too, cause it's never y- what, yeah. yeah.
3: Like, yeah there's not a standardization no. of uh, yeah i was the director of sales and marketing for 23 years for had, hamilton you halters. know
0: what i knew yeah. you from that we were in the tech business a long time ago before i was ever really? doing any of this so i knew you from that and wasn't it a shampoo quicksilver quicksilver shampoo yes. be nice
3: halters hamilton yes. halters yes food. yeah yeah <laughs> three out of four of those were in garages I took him national in 1978. So. I
0: knew that. Yes. And, yeah, and yeah. you know, it's, it's funny. We're both old is what that means. Uh, <laughs> okay. That's exactly <laughs> what that means. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in a hurry. Yeah.
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> Tell yeah. me. But is it, yeah, go ahead. isn't
2: it a small world? I mean, just yeah. to connect like that. I that's I amazing. That's crazy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because he was crazy. an inventor long before he ever got into the Gypsy Banner thing. I mean, it was. yeah. yeah. Now you're kind of known for that. But in those days, you were known as being a creator of products that we all ended up using. Yes. Yes. And isn't it funny, talk about circles, Quicksilver Shampoo, you probably use a little bit of that now. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, that's a good, oh, yeah. It's a great shampoo. And to this day, you know, I, I talk
3: about names and how they make a promise. And that's the world I came from, is that you make a promise based on uh, whatever the promise of your product is. And then you keep the promise. And that's how you keep your name. You know, that's how people respect you. And uh, I'm of that same uh, mentality when it comes to gypsy vanner horse it represents a a certain look a certain you know t- uh, temperament and so on and if we breed to keep it pure and deliver that promise then then we're good to go you know uh so i hate to equate it to a product but in essence we all make a promise if my name is uh, yours is glenn and mine is dennis uh you know people expect a certain thing out of me you know and and uh, we have to live up to that so yeah, no, I, I met a woman in 1988. My I, I raised four little girls alone in South Texas for seven years, and one of them was 19, and she worked at Lone Star Pet Supply through my connections, and she called me one day, and she said, Dad, we just hired this new woman. She's beautiful, and she has 40 parrots and a Porsche. She's perfect for you, and uh, that was Cindy, and I married her two years later, and and within five years, we had 700 animals, and lived where pirelli lives you know that uh off 225a there yeah
0: that's a story well yeah. I you know you can find out more information go to gypsygold.com that's your personal website and uh what's the website for the for the uh society vanners.org vanners.org there's a lot of information on there about gypsy vanners yeah you have yeah. Uh, for sale pages on there and uh, is on your website too
3: there is, yeah. Okay. And then we, of course, we have a Facebook. It's a uh, Gypsy Gold Horse Farm.
0: Yeah. yeah if we you have... want horse porn, just go to his Facebook page and go to the photos section, and then you oh, got there a horse you porn go. right there. Oh, it's
2: <laughs> it's amazing. I'm there right now. I'm just, you know, I'm in horse envy right now.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We've we've got about a hundred thousand followers on that, so.
0: Well, well it's, uh, it's gypsies. I mean, them and Friesians. I mean, those are the two, right? That yeah. that every, every you, you ad agency diff- wants. <laughs>
3: you see how difficult it is to call them vanners. You and I, you and I have talked for fifteen minutes, and they're still gypsies. You know what I mean? So I'm going to resign myself to the fact that that's that, unfortunately, is a reality. There's something, there's something attractive about using the word gypsy, and uh, but as long as people know, uh, as long as they understand. That there's only a small percentage, about 20%, are the banner, are, are the breed that was developed to look a specific way. And the gypsies uh, are a culture that uh, could really, they've been treated with prejudice for a thousand years. And I have a lot of them that come here. And we're going to try to turn this farm into a permanent educational cultural center. And when we do, you'll have a lot of them that come here, and you'll come and visit, and you'll meet people that you like, and you'll find out that they are from that culture, and and uh, you'll it'll desensitize the this uh, gypsies, tramps, and thieves kind of stuff that you know has been going on for a long time. So, all
0: right, I'm going to try again. and use Vanner. I'm going to try and break the habit. Try it, try it. Yeah, right. you say it over and over. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right we're all going to try and do that just listening today hey, we're go. try and go with there banners go instead of uh gypsies uh, which is oh you're yeah. right that's what, just what we've said forever uh you yeah know. yes and it's not in relation to the people it's in relation to the horses right so yeah no i yeah. understand yeah I've been,
3: it's been 28 well 28 years since this started it's been 25 years i think since the breed registry and uh but it's it's an ongoing thing you know and it's on the internet uh, multiple names and and uh, and generic names and this type of things and and a lot of time not always but in a lot of times it's an effort to buy and sell horses and uh, so the population of horses raised by gypsies is far greater than the ones that are selectively bad and look at that high, you know that specific look that is uh, well Kushtibach, the original horse calls 7,000 pounds at the oldest gypsy horse fair in the world when the guy from Wales that raised him sold him to the guy I met in 1995 for 7,000 pounds. That was $12,500 for a yearling colt that was not recognized as a breed nobody knew about. I watched a mare and Philly foal sell for 42,000 pounds at Appleby Horse Fair. That was like $70,000. It was like a 1.70 exchange rate. So the discovery was that that unique thing that was going on, uh not just that they have, you know, pretty horses. So I'm well, in summer. You
0: know, well, yeah. we we appreciate you being on if you want to do the tour or find out more while you're here in Ocala, definitely do that. It's a obviously a beautiful place and a beautiful farm with a lot of beautiful vanners. Look, I did it. I yeah. Did it right. There you go. I, 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 I go gypsygold.com. Thanks, Dennis. Yeah, appreciate okay. it.
3: Bye, Dennis. Thanks, Glenn. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh-huh. Bye-bye.
0: You know those products that Dennis invented? Lisa, you can buy them at StatelineTac.com. Just head over to Tech right now. They're having the big 4th of July sale. It's called the Red, White, and Blue Savings Event. Big banner at the top of the page. Go check it out. They have Gatsby halters. They have DaVinci tack and accessories. Shires, protective boots. They have Tough One stable supplies. All different kinds of things, including fly sheets. Up to 45% off Weatherby fly sheets. 25% off shires. I know that some of your friends fly sheets are already will be getting destroyed by your oh, yes. horses. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Cuz we're a month and a half in of summer now and yes your fly sheets will be gone. So you can go replace them right now at stateline com and check out all of their 4th of July savings. There's hundreds of pages of stuff from boots to saddles to clothing, just whatever you need. Some of it's probably on sale at StatelineTAC.com. Well, next up, we have our horse health segment, and is brought to you by Daily Dose Equine, non-GMO core nutrition for horses and ponies of all ages. Jennifer got to catch up, Coach Jen got to catch up with Dr. Tanya Cubit from Performance Horse Nutrition to talk about electrolytes versus salt and it's that time of year when we're worried about that stuff when it's 100 degrees out everywhere in the country so uh, of course jen coach jen is with the horse tip daily show you can find all of her episodes at horse uh just on, hop on over there to horsetipdaily.com and just search for whatever it, issue health wise or anything any kind of tip and uh, she's probably done a tip on it there's over two thousand over there and they're all very short five to ten minutes
1: and I'm so happy to welcome back to the show Dr. Tanya Cubit from Performance Horse Nutrition. She stops by on a regular basis and informs and enlightens us, and for me at least, usually creates more questions about all things horse nutrition. How are you doing, Dr. Tanya Cubit? I am doing fantastic, Jennifer. As always, thank you for having me back on. Oh, we love having you on the show because you, you're informative. I feel smarter when you're finished, but I don't ever feel dumb. Well, that's good. Yeah. You always, you always I feel good. Like, oh, I want to learn more about that. And then I usually go over to Performance Horse Nutrition and read some good stuff.
4: Oh, great. Great. Well, so what are we going to talk about today? Well,
1: today's show is inspired by a listener question that we got a little while back. And this time of year when spring is rolling around and the weather is heating up, invariably we ta- start to talk about your horse's salt intake and we talk about electrolytes and dehydration. Uh, and hydration. And she wanted to know, what's the difference between
4: salt and electrolytes? This is a great question. And the really complicated answer is everything and nothing. They're exactly the same thing, and they're completely different. Oh. You confused yet? Uh-huh. <laughs> so really, it's, it's this kind of thing that we seem to do a lot in nutrition and is using terms synonymously, but let's just talk about what electrolytes are. So electrolytes are electri- electrically charged salts or ions, or some people even call- or minerals. Really, the correct term would be say, electrolytes are electrically charged minerals. But some people use the term uh, generic salts, electrolyte salts. They are made up, these electrically charged minerals or electrolytes are uh, sodium, chloride, potassium, and magnesium. Now, when you think about salt, what the true definition of salt that we would use in our food or on our table in the kitchen, it's a combination of sodium and chloride. That is table salt. So, when I say it's the same but it's different, it's the same because salt is an electrolyte. The two particles that make up salt are electrolytes, but it's different because you are missing out on also potassium and magnesium. So what do they do? They're dissolved in the body and carried in the blood and and, um, cell fluids. As the salts or these electrolytes dissolve in the blood and tissues of the body, um, they assist in preserving correct balance of fluids both inside and outside the cell and what that does, they also act as a function in the generation of nerve impulses. They help to contract and relax muscles. Um, the heart is a huge muscle so they help contract and relax the heart they help process waste Um, they're really involved in virtually every function in the body an electrolyte imbalance may cause such complications as dehydration muscle fatigue reduced stamina overheating and also tying up Um, so it's really really important that we supplement with electrolytes if the horse is sweating heavily and excreting a lot of those electrolytes. Now, if you were just to supplement with plain old salt, sodium and chloride, we would be missing out on the functions of potassium and chloride. So, what does sodium and chloride do? This is common salt, NaCl. and they're, they're the two primary electrolytes in the body, but potassium, one of its major roles is to ensure correct um, pressure, which affects the sensitivity of nerves and muscle impulses. Horses suffering from a lack of potassium are prone to fatigue, muscle weakness, exercise intolerance, tying up, and decreased water intake. Uh, magnesium plays a critical role as a cofactor in over like 300 Different reactions in the body. Um, Also, very, very important for muscle function. Uh, So, it's really important that we supply all of these electrolytes and not just sodium and chloride. So, if you were just giving your horse salt and you weren't uh, supplying an actual electrolyte supplement, if your horse is sweating heavily, you're going to miss out on potassium and magnesium.
1: So, sweat is how they lose electrolytes.
4: Correct. So Sweat is made up of electrolytes, these minerals, or sometimes people call them electrolyte salts, as well as a lot of water.
1: So when a horse is dehydrated, he could be yeah. dehydrated because he's sweating more than he's drinking. Mm-hmm. He could be dehydrated because he's just not drinking. Yep. Yeah. So yep. whenever you, I've, I've heard people say, Give your horse salt to encourage him to drink.
4: Are there circumstances under which that's a bad idea? Not really. I, I I typically don't recommend that people just top dress their feed with salt. I always like to have a plain white iodized salt block available to the horse for them to lick on as you know yourself. Some days you're craving sweet, some days you're craving salt. Usually it's dependent on the weather or your exercise level. So I like horses to have ad lib access to salt. I typically don't like to put it on the feed unless I'm trying to force them to to drink, and if I'm trying to force them to drink, I may put a little bit on the feed, or I may actually just um, syringe a salty solution into their mouth because you know if you eat salty food, you'll um, you'll want to drink. That being said, some people will put electrolytes in the horse's water. We don't actually recommend doing that because you know how picky horses are with water you can alter the taste of the water and some really picky horses won't drink. And so they're twofold not getting water. So they will be more heat dehydrated and they're not getting the electrolytes that you want them. So a lot of electrolytes, if you're um, concerned about your horse not consuming them, they'll come, you can get them in a paste. So say you're a three-day eventer, for example, and, or an endurance rider, and you really need to, be 100% sure that they're getting all of those electrolytes immediately after exercise, then a paste is probably the best way to go. But interestingly enough, you bring up, you know, what is sweat? That's one way that they, they're primarily losing electrolytes as well as moisture. I've got some figures here on just how much um, weight horses can lose, which we in, in research use as kind of an indicator um, of sweat loss. So a standard harness horse before and after a one mile race was measured and they lost between 11 and 30 pounds. Um, field hunters, exactly. So before and after three hours of fox hunting, 20 to 100 pounds of weight loss, meaning sweat loss. Um, thoroughbred horse in race training, 10 to 15 pounds, uh, and endurance horses, 20 to 80, 80, so 100 pounds um, before and after a race of about 85 kilometers. Yeah, so you don't think that they're sweating that much because a lot of it's actually just evaporating away, but that is moisture loss um, out of the horse. So that's weight weight loss pre and post those exercises. So it is really, really important to make sure that um, you're supplying plenty of water post-exercise. Don't worry about the old myth that your horse will get founder if you give it water, just like yourself. You don't want to drink freezing cold water right after you exercise. But you want to make sure that they have access to fresh, clean water and that uh, post-exercise is when you want to make sure that you're giving them an electrolyte. Yep. Horses are very, very susceptible to dehydration.
1: So two more questions. I'll try to keep this brief, everybody, because I tend to get... I tend to get uh, Dr. Cubitt going, and and we can't stop. Can you give your horse too much salt or electrolytes? For example, you go to the person who likes to put it in their feed, so he has no choice but to consume it. Can you give them too much? And if you do,
4: what happens? Uh, Yes, you can give too much. Um, That's why I say I don't recommend putting salt directly onto the feed um, when you're feeding a powdered electrolyte supplement, however, you do put it on the feed and if you're following the directions outlined on the back of the product, then you're going to be fine you're not going to be feeding too much don't ever go over those label directions unless you've consulted with your veterinarian, your nutritionist or the company that you purchased it from that way you can be safe not to you know go over any of those requirements. Um, if you're putting extra salt on the feed, then it can actually act as a kind of counterproductive. We're trying to encourage the horse to drink, but by adding too much salt, he can actually um, get dehydrated and, and not want to eat because it will decrease palatability of the feed.
1: Uh-huh. I knew there had to be a downside to all that salt stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So the the lesson learned there is follow the instructions that come with the product that that was made for a horse. Don't be giving yeah. electrolytes made for some other animal to your horse.
4: Absolutely correct. That's another point that should be brought up that I didn't. So this is why I say asking the questions is the best part of the program <laughs> because all animals excrete Different quantities. So all electrolytes are the same. We have the sodium, chloride, potassium, magnesium. But depending on the animal or, you know, the human, we will secrete those. Electrolytes in different quantities. So feeding your horse Gatorade thinking that it's going to supply them with the electrolytes that they've lost is incorrect because it will supply the electrolytes that a human has lost in those concentrations, but it's not designed in the right concentrations for equine sweat loss. Equine sweat loss is higher in certain, um, electrolytes than others. So. Well, Make see, sure it's designed yeah, for a horse. Something.
1: And I remember back in the day, the electrolytes we used to buy at the tack and feed store, which were basically the only ones available, had a picture of a dog
4: on the front because they were made for dogs.
1: But that was all they made yes. back then. Now you have. And horses. back in the
4: day, that's all they made. So that that was better than nothing. But yeah, you know, we have the. Correct technology now, so we don't have to do that now. We oh, you
1: know what really goes in there. Well, thank you very, very much for enlightening me. Every time we talk about electrolytes and salt, I lo- learn a little bit more about them. So by the time I'm 95, I'll have it down, Pat.
4: You know, that's one thing that I hope. I think the day you stop learning is the day that you die. So there you go. Um, well, keep we're... on learning and listen to lots of different people because everybody says it a different way that's and maybe you pick up a little something different from everybody.
1: That's right. So where can folks... Uh, get a hold of you if they have more nutrition questions.
4: If they have more c- nutrition questions, they can find me on our website, uh, performancehorsenutrition.com. Our email and phone number is right there on the website. Alrighty, Thank you very
1: much, Dr. Cubit. We'll see you again soon. I'm here with the mad scientist who developed daily dose equine horse feeds, Janet Geyer. And I wanted to have a quick chat with you because... Daily dose equine horse feed are non-GMO, whole food nutrition based. And a lot of people go, oh, that comes from a small, dedicated feed mill. I won't be able to get that when I travel. They're wrong, aren't they? They are. You can get it through
4: Chewy,
3: anywhere in the United States. Or if you live locally in Maryland
4: and northern Virginia, you can get it delivered.
1: There you go. Chewy.com, it will deliver it anywhere you want. You can also schedule delivery in advance, so you can have it delivered every X number of days, and you can go in there to your account and change it every time you move horse show venues. So check it out today, DailyDoseEquine.com online or Chewy.com. (music) Chewy.com. Especially with performance horses, flies can really be a nuisance. Fly predators are a great investment of all the
3: different poisons and insecticides and different things you could use. I don't know of anything that is more economical and more effective than spalding fly predators. So
2: on the FEI... Page Glenn on their website, Glenn. They have six mental skills equestrians should develop, and this is really interesting to me as a rider, and probably to you as a driver because I think a lot of the principles are just the same. And you'll never guess what the first one is. And is this for competitors
0: or for? This is,
2: I think, is for everybody, Glenn. I think you know it's written for competitors, but really anybody who's involved with horses, I think, can benefit from this.
0: Okay, all right. So, so so what's number one?
2: The skill number one is memory. So no matter. Yeah, (laughs) you would be, you would be. But, but seriously, I mean, if you're performing. This is why I
0: never competed. Wendy tried to get me to compete for years in driving events. And I was like, I'll never remember the dressage test. I'll never remember the obstacles. I'll never remember any of it.
2: (laughs) But, you know, the cool thing is, is, is memory is no matter what we do, whether it's picking up a foot and cleaning it out, you're doing that by memory.
0: That's true. Yeah. That's yeah. true. So
2: so so there's a lot of tasks that we're doing just by memory whether it's you know it's cleaning out the stalls or whatever you know we kind of just get on autopilot sometimes but you know they've got some tips about that. So the first tip that they have for memory is one that I use all the time and it's visualization. So, so whatever you're going to do, visualize it in your mind first. And there's been so many studies on this, Glenn, that um, it really works. It really works. So if you're, if you're nervous about performing a dressage test, or you're nervous about the trail ride, or you're nervous about just going to ride that new horse, visualize the whole process in detail first. And it really does does help.
0: That's why you'll see at pony club events, you'll see the little pony clubbers in the parking lot uh, actually walking through their dressage test, uh, yeah. you know, on the ground. because yeah. And that's a, just a form of visualizing it, right?
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's it's immersing your whole self and your whole body into it. You know, you can, you can say the steps out loud. You can write down what you're going to do. And, you know, for some people, even doing all of that while you're listening to music helps. For me, that's distracting, but... For other people, yeah, I
0: think, it, yeah, can I think be. it depends what the music is too. So, <laughs> so therapy, you're dealing with this with your therapy writers. Oh um, yeah. So what what are you? What tools do you use with them?
2: So so we we do like one step directions, two step directions, three step directions. So for example, if I say, Glenn, would you drive your pony? Uh, straight forward to the fence and then turn left. That's a two step direction because you have to drive forward. You have to get your pony going and then you have to turn left. So we, we, you know, we walk through that process. Okay. What do you have to do to get your pony to, to move forward? And then what do you have to do to, to turn left? And we go through the mechanics, the body mechanics of that. What do you have to do? What do you have to do with your voice? What do you have to do with your hands? Um, so, so by preparing ahead of time, then we see a lot more success.
0: And then you can string them together.
2: Exactly. Yeah. You can do four-step directions or six-step directions. But I will say this, as a therapeutic riding instructor, it's amazing the number of what we would consider able-bodied adults who can't do a two- or a three-step direction. And this includes whether they're washing dishes or taking the kids to school. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I include myself in that category. There you so. go. There you go. You know, <laughs> I, I think mean, my AD, severe ADD has a lot to do with that, but yeah, uh, that's yeah. what I blame so, anyway. So, so
2: I'm... I'm visiting my mother, Glenn, and, and she's 100 years old. And she'll say, Lisa, I need, I, you know, I, you could help me with one, two, three, four, five, six, She'll give me like six things. And I'm like, wait, I can't remember all that. And she's like,
0: really? <laughs> your 100 year old mother's calling you out.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. Her memory is better than mine, you know. So, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so I'm like, okay, slow down. So, so that's, that's memory. And so, so, the second thing, that, and we've already kind of talked about it, is imagination. You know, use your imagination to, to, to think about what the whole experience is going to be like. You know, and that's, that's pretty easy. You know, most people, like most horses, we think in pictures. You know, if, if you're going to mm-hmm. go over that fence, you know, imagine yourself going over the fence, but, but see the fence. See the fence in your mind and just imagine it.
0: And that's, how, that's why the top-level eventers walk their courses three or four times. Absolutely, uh, cross country day. Even even the ju- you know even on stadium yeah. jump, same thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah because they're, they're seeing it. It's right there in front of them. Um, and then the number three, which I think is hard for a lot of us. <laughs> <laughs> You're already laughing. <laughs> it's focus. It's focus. <laughs> That's not my strong point. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we all
0: have our strengths and weaknesses, Glenn. You know, <laughs> but you know, I have always, with the acting company, I always worked with the very type A people. Right? They're the right. They're the creative types. They're they're performers. They're actors, and they they are good. A lot of them are really good at memorizing, uh, but none of them are really great at focus until they were on stage. Interesting. Yeah, we could not get them to focus for rehearsals. I mean, that was just <laughs> a nightmare. Um, but when they were on stage, they were super hyper focused. And I think yeah. that happens too with uh, competitive people in any sport. You know, when I
2: was in college, I interned uh with a really top quarter horse trainer uh, in Minnesota here. And, you know, he taught me that focus. That was the one thing I took away from that internship was, you know, when you're riding your horse, you are aware of everything. You are aware of of where your horse's feet are and what those footfalls are. And you're aware of of the cat that's walking down the driveway. And you're aware of all of these things. You know, together, you're aware of uh, where your horse's ears are and what your horse's mood is. And, and, you know, it takes a lot of practice. But once you get in that mindset, man, you know, my riding just totally improved.
0: I think, too, one of the things that uh, a lot of pros will tell you is to, to never look back unless Mm-mm. you're correcting something that obviously was wrong. But you're always in the moment or looking ahead. You, yes. You're never looking back. You're never no. You're never fretting about what happened in the past. You're correcting, but never right. fretting.
2: And that's a really good way to put that, I think. And, and that's hard and
0: for a lot of people, too. I mean, it you know, is. that's part of it is. our DNA is fretting about, you know, things in the past and feeling guilty yeah. or whatever, you know. It's just part of what we all go through. And, you know, talk about relationships. That's true in relationships, too, isn't it? And oh, very true. Very whatever, true. You yeah. Know?
2: yeah. You know, and you can't change in the past. You can learn from it, I think. Hopefully. Um, and so that's, that's, and that's hard way for some of us too.
0: That's <laughs> very hard <laughs> for a lot of us. I'm failing at all of these actually.
2: <laughs> I think you're good at the next one though, oh, Okay, Glenn. Do I or get you one? Can be. You can get one. <laughs> okay. So so this one is calmness. So, you know, focus and calmness are kind of, you know, equal partners here, you know, and and every time you feel jittery, your horse feels jittery. And every time uh, you feel unfocused, your horse feels unfocused. So So getting that calm focus is so important. And sometimes, you know, for a lot of my students, you know, it takes, you know, taking time before you get on the horse just to to just chill, because say, okay, I know you've had a bad day. Uh, all these things have gone wrong, but now, now we're going to focus on our horse, and we're fo- going to focus on us. We're going to forget all that other stuff. We're going to take some deep cleansing breaths, and and um, all of that is just so important. I think. Um well, there, you know,
0: to, you know, when I taught sales, you know, there you have to be good at multitasking really to be in sales. Yeah, uh, because you're 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 talking to a customer. You're you're hyper aware of what you're saying. You're hyper hyper-aware of what they're saying. Same thing with the acting company, right? We did improv. Mm -hmm. So you had to be aware of everything that was going on at the same time, multitasking. And it's uh, you had to remain calm to be able to process what was going on and where you needed to go next.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: You you can't do that in a state... The only one that could do that in a state of to- total hyperness uh, was uh, Robin Williams.
2: <laughs> so oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. What a talent
0: he was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, that's the exception. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, and I think part of that, too, Glenn, is giving yourself enough time. And we're all so busy these days, you know, and, and we're running from one thing to the next to the next. And I think it's just important. Well, to and it comes down to, a so word, down.
0: Come down, come down to a word that I hated when I was in sales, and that's compartmentalization. Yeah. Being able to, I can never say the word, maybe that's why yeah. I hated it. Um, <laughs> but being able to separate things out and yes. only deal with the thing you have to deal with now and everything else gets put in its own little box and put on the shelf. Yeah. And the truly successful people, whether they're athletes or CEOs of companies, they're great. at. You have to be good at that.
2: You have to be good at it, and that's a, that's a skill I think a lot of people struggle with, is, is separating that out and not letting all of those thoughts and emotions and feelings bleed over into the other thing. Yeah, you're
0: not going to be at the top of anything if you can't do that.
2: Mm-mm. It's know? hard. Yeah. It, that's something that I struggle with a lot.
0: Yeah, and it's yeah. hard. It is hard for everybody. I think yeah. that's a learned skill more than—I think you get some of that genetics plays a part in that, but I think you also learn that one.
2: Yeah, I think so, too. And, and you know, I, I've dated a lot of guys who, who are really good at that for some reason. Um, and, you know, come to think of it, they they tend to be lawyers, so I don't know why.
0: <laughs> okay, you're not with okay. any of them now, so I think you're going to no. need to change your course there. There we go. There we
2: go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay,
0: <laughs> we need to go back to the other one and learn from our mistakes in the past. So There
2: you go. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, <laughs> um, and then number five, Glenn. I'll and, send and you and bill am,
0: after, okay.
2: Yeah, I yeah. am. <laughs> I am moving on <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, so, so number five is persistence. You know, I mean, it takes a long time to accomplish goals, no matter what those goals are. Whether it's relationship or it's it's family, it's your horse, it's your skill level. It takes time, and I think you know we're so used to instant gratification that we just want it now, and it doesn't work that way.
0: And again. To be a champion, though, you have to have it.
2: You have to have it. You have to have it. You have to keep keep sticking with the training. You have to. You have to go push through the bad days, and you know just stay your course and be be firm and be consistent. And you know the the last thing I think ties right into that, and that's compassion.
0: Hmm. Um, you, I'm you, glad you they know, put you, this uh, one in here. Actually,
2: I am too, because I think it's really important. And I think you know when you're. When you're competing, you have to be kind to your competitors. You have to be kind to your horse. Uh, you have to be kind to the people who helped you get there. Uh, you know that that person who, you know, if somebody helped feed your horse in the morning, uh, you know, I mean, you just have to be compassionate and, and and grateful to all of those people. And I think it's it's super important. And I think I think your horse picks up on that kind of thing too.
0: Oh, I think more than any of the others, actually. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I do. I think more than more than most of the others.
2: Yeah, and you know, I think, so horses watch people, I mean, it's a form of survival and safety for them, but I think they can recognize seeing us not only be kind to them, but being kind to other people. Um, and you, I think that's important.
0: You know, I, I love this list because it's a little different than most of them you see, because it was designed, this list was really targeted toward FEI competitors, right? It's on their website. Right, but and, it's so all-encompassing. Well, and it's things that you don't normally see, like compassion, you know? Yeah. And then I thought, well, I'm going to look at who the author is, and, and it fits, because the author's Patricia Salem, and she is a former mm. professional equine massage therapist and recreational rider. There you go. kind of makes sense, right? Um, it really does. Yeah. It totally does. Yeah, that's so. why this list was a little bit different than some we've seen.
2: I oh, like absolutely. It. And I of do course, too. it
0: applies with everybody you work with. Everybody
2: and I think every situation you're in.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I, yeah, yeah. Whether it's relationships, friendships, whatever, you know. Yeah, your job.
2: Yeah. If, yeah, or your hobbies or or you know your interests. I think it it's it's a good thing to to you know be aware of and to practice that.
0: You know, if we if Jennifer and I and Jamie and the other hosts hadn't per, uh, didn't oh. have persistence through the lean years of doing this, we wouldn't be here today. No, and there were a lot we of not. lean years. <laughs> yes, so, yes. I mean, we wouldn't well, be I'm where we are.
2: I remember when when you started this, and and everybody's like, "What's a podcast?" Yeah, you
0: and know? then nobody was making much money. We were making no. none for a lot of no. lot of years. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and still nobody's making much money in podcasting. You know, there are a few, but most yeah, of us but, are just getting by. But yeah, uh,
2: but you believed in it, and you persisted, and and you did all the things that it takes, and and uh, you know, to build this great community, and and uh, you know, I mean. You're right. If you didn't have all that, you wouldn't be here.
0: Yep, that's true. Well, there, that was deep for the end of the show today. There uh, you go. <laughs> Lisa, <laughs> uh, where can uh, everybody find your, your books, your everything that you do?
2: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, LisaWisocky dot and Wysaki is W Y S O C K Y, and all the books are on Amazon, and your bookstores can order them if they don't have them on the shelves.
0: And I know that uh, all the listeners are wondering. I even asked you this this last week. Everybody knows that they're making a TV show out of your yeah. books, out of your C- Cat and Write books, and uh, I assume that's all on hold with the writer strike.
2: It is totally on hold, and it is so frustrating, Glenn, because I want to. I, I'm a fixer. I want to fix it to make it better, and I can't do anything,
0: you know? (laughs) I can't. <laughs> and they're they're still hanging out, aren't they? They're oh,
2: they are. They are, and some of the actors are now going on on strike, and they're they're trying to work things out. And and I hear that this is a, a needed thing, and you know they've explained kind of the concepts to well, me. Yeah, you and kind I of think, have
0: to feel for the writers. You? <laughs> you
2: you do you do, and and you know they're not getting paid on streaming, and they're not getting paid on certain other things, and and you know so there are some issues that they do have to work out, mostly that have to do with technology, but. You know, everything has, has been at a screeching halt for almost two months now and, and it's just it's just really frustrating. And it's one of those things where I have to compartmentalize and I can't I can't get upset about it. It's out of my control. I can't
0: So it's not dead, it. we're just on it. hold.
2: We're just on hold. Yeah. But so you know, Brad in, Pitt's in the meantime, gonna have
0: to wait a while to play me in the T V series. He is gonna have mm-hmm.
2: to play you. But but what's really interesting, Glenn, is Kat Enright, my fictional character and I are writing a horse training book together.
0: I love that. <laughs> Tell me there's gonna be some humor in this one.
2: I think so. I think so. And there's gonna be a contest too in the book. So um so it's it's uh, it's really an unusual concept. It took me a while to wrap my brain around it. My publisher's been pushing me to do this for a uh, while with cats. So Well we Jamie and I volunteer to pick age. the winner
0: of the contest. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, on the okay. air. We can do it on the air. We volunteer. Oh, that'll be that'll be fine. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Today is also National Bikini Day, so get your two-piece mm-hmm. on and get out there in the sunshine, and if you're not wearing a two-piece, I have an alternate for you. It's also National Apple Turnover Day and National Graham Cracker Day, so if you go eat a bunch of apple turnovers and graham crackers, you probably aren't going to be wearing a bikini anyway, so um, <laughs> so you can, I just thought it was funny that those three were all combined in one day, so... <laughs> So there you go. <laughs> it
2: is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Y'all have a great day. Enjoy yourselves. We will be back tomorrow with Mary Kitzmiller and Jennifer will be here. Jamie will be back on Friday. We'll do some really bad ads, and uh, hold on for the auditors. We're gonna we're gonna do a post show for you coming up shortly. Thank you, Lisa, for filling in today. We really appreciate it.
2: You are so welcome. It was always fun.
3: Time for the Auditor Post Show. We want to remind you that this is not always safe for work or the kiddos. Thanks for hanging around for our nonsense.
0: Well, thanks for joining us, auditors. We appreciate it. I know a bunch of you were commenting on Jamie's sound quality on Friday's show. Uh, and... Uh, I, we realized that there was a problem. We were trying to fix it the whole show and we couldn't fix it. And today we had the same issues when we started out with Lisa. And yeah, uh, we, we used Skype to record this show. And I kind of think it's Skype because we moved over to Zoom and didn't seem to have the same problem. So, uh, I don't Well, and you couldn't get Skype loaded even this I, morning. Yeah, I was having trouble with Skype even getting loaded. So I don't know if there's something going on with Skype or whatever, but we got today's done anyway. And yeah. well, I I just kept thinking it was Jamie's mic or cord cuz they go bad or my, you know, on my end, but I I don't think it's that at all. Yeah. So uh, I did a post. <laughs> so I did a post that got 147 comments on this one last Amazing. week. Amazing. If you could get rid of one barn or horse chore, and never have to do it again. What would it be? And the auditors were very opinionated on this. Yes. And I think the theme that I have as a horse husband, looking at this list, is why you all do horses. I mean, you seem to hate everything about it. <laughs> it's like, there's nothing. There's nothing that isn't on this list. <laughs> right. There.
2: You know, it's so wide and and varied. But you know, I see a lot of people who don't like like doing the the stall cleaning.
0: You know, I like, kind of view that thing. as kind of therapeutic, but I only have to do one or two. You know, if you well, have to do 10 true. a day, that's a different story. Then it, you can get it can be therapeutic doing a couple of anything. Once you this do is more true. than that, we always viewed the number as three. So you can do three of anything and kind of it's an okay and, you know, it's going to help you relax and you're listening to something and it's okay. But once you get to th- to past three, then it kind of becomes a job. And once you get past seven, then it's a trudgery. And that's of anything. So if you think about stalls, that would be about where it becomes trudgery is after seven.
2: That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that.
0: Yeah, isn't that true, though? We always said that if you have three horses, that's okay. Anybody can handle three horses. Once you're over three horses, the work doubles. Once you're over seven horse, it quadruples. It doesn't triple, (laughs) it quadruples. And that next horse just makes it four times the work, and it's true. I,
2: I will say this. So we've, at Colby's Army, we've had two barn cats for a long time, and we had a cat who just showed up, and I mean... He was there for like, I don't know, three weeks. And finally, I thought, you know, I probably should feed him. Um, It looks like he's going to stay. And I will say having three cats versus two cats is like having 20 cats. (laughs) There you go. So what you're saying makes sense. I can't believe the difference between two cats and three cats.
0: We also, Jennifer and I have also come up with the saying in the last couple of months is that you can get used to anything in three weeks three weeks is the magic number that yeah. people can get used to their whatever their circumstance whatever change has happened in their lives in three weeks you can get used to it and we determined that when we were on the road in the tiny little living corner oh, trailer
2: yeah <laughs>
0: the first three weeks were tripping over each other and you know it you really had to focus on what you were doing to be in that small space together constantly right. 24 hours a day after three weeks it was kind of we were just doing it Right. And I truly believe and we heard you adapt. this We heard this in relation to a war actually. They we watched a documentary and they say that even people in wartime, well even in the Ukraine right now, people are living their yeah. lives in certain parts of the country because after 3 weeks you kind of get used to whatever your circumstance is and you deal with it.
2: Well, kind of like the pandemic too, yeah. you know. It was it was very challenging it for it was the whole thing was challenging i'm not discounting that but really you're right after a couple of weeks you kind of figure okay this is this is it for a while
0: right exactly exactly so let's read what other so emptying the wheelbarrow um there's a lot of shoveling poop so you're, you're yeah. right there's a lot of that uh but see
2: i like that and i could do 20 stalls and just be very happy
0: yeah because it's kind of downtime isn't it really when it you is think about it mentally it's downtime
2: yeah um, i like it
0: Devin, Devin Horn, <laughs> Daredevil, <laughs> D- Daredevil Devin, yes. said peopling.
2: <laughs> oh, I could see that.
0: <laughs> you know, the other one that was high on the list when you take a look at this total list was cleaning water buckets.
2: Yes, yes. Yeah, that was. Yeah. Scrubbing yeah, buckets it, seemed
0: to be real high on the list. And
2: it seems like a, like the people who don't like it are, are the people who are maybe a little bit OCD who just have to have the perfect water bucket, you know, yes. perfectly clean.
0: Yeah. You're probably yeah. right about that. Hey, Of course, putting up hay is just miserable for anybody. I don't care. <laughs> if there's somebody enjoying that, I don't know who that is.
2: You know, that would be me. I don't... I, I
0: like it. I In the I middle like, of summer when it's hot and it sticks to you. Know,
2: you know, I, I, what I'm thinking is like, man, look at all the steps I'm getting in and look at my heart rate going up and look at all the exercise I'm getting. So I like moving right, hay. Right. Now, I, I will say this, Glenn. I don't want to do it every day. Yeah. But... If I do it every couple of weeks, I'm okay. All right. And, and I only usually only move about 50 bales at a time, so.
0: Cleaning dusty stall fans. Yeah, that does suck. You yeah. know what we do, I, I do now, is I just take the air compressor and blow them out. Blow, yeah, yeah, blow them out. That yeah. helps a lot with the air compressor. Yeah. Um. Let me see here. Uh, Filling hay nets. Yes, that's the top of the list for me that's and hard. for every horse husband out there. Like, that
2: is a challenge. Yeah.
0: Jennifer that, can do it and she doesn't mind doing it. If I put it in the buck tub and put the ends over and that's the only way I can fill a hay net. If I have to put it over my arm and do it, that forget it. I'm not. Yeah. It's never going <laughs> in the net. It's on the floor. <laughs> so I have to do the muck tub thing. Uh, yeah. Weed whacking. Yeah. When you have a big place, weed whacking does suck. We, we had a hundred acre farm and lots of fencing and it was constantly weed whacking. Yeah.
2: I will say I, I'm i not a big fan of that either.
0: Yeah. I give her weed. Wh- I give, Peg. I'm with you on weed working. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, cleaning tack. See, that's that's one of mine. And I don't mind cleaning
2: tack. I don't like oiling tack mm. because it's just messy. And it gets all, I, I can't do it neatly. I get it all over my clothes and it gets in my hair and it gets everywhere. It's I can't do it neatly Hmm. and so that's why i have a biothane
0: harness just throw it yes exactly
2: (laughs) exactly yeah yeah go go with all of that with some of the tack and (laughs) we don't have a lot of leather anymore
0: (laughs) (laughs) you know what was interesting because we did that i did this last week and everybody's thinking hot but all of these people that are responding to this live in the north clearing out ice Around oh, yeah. gates and snow around gates. You know, they did, If I had asked this in the winter, it'd have been a whole different set of answers. Oh, right?
2: absolutely. Yeah, and yes.
0: snow and ice would have been most of them.
2: <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. How you soon know what we I, forget. What's so important in the winter, and what I don't like doing, but you have to do it, is you know your your horse will get those ice balls at the bottom of his feet, mm-hmm. and so you got you know you got to pick get them the jackhammer out. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. And then try putting I don't know, putting some lard or something down horse, or the horse doesn't slip. But um, I, I, I I think yeah. this
0: would be one of Jennifer's because a couple of the fancy barns she worked at they, they required to do this all the time, and I know she she doesn't like spiders anyway, but cobwebbing uh yeah yeah she had to cobweb all the time and i know that would be on her list of
2: yeah and so somebody told me not too long ago that cobwebs are a leading cause of barn fires
0: yes i heard that too and it's around the yeah. light bulbs
2: yes yes yeah yeah,
0: yeah so you got to gotta really, do it you got to really clean around the light bulbs especially yeah um so yeah a lot of cobwebbing were are on this list um Water buckets, water buckets, water buckets. Mucking stalls. Just the list is. uh, So you know what I'm
2: seeing though is I'm seeing some people like like Rhonda has said you know dumping the wheelbarrow. It's not necessarily cleaning the stalls. It's dumping the wheelbarrow. I can relate to that. I don't mind cleaning the stalls. I don't necessarily want to dump the wheelbarrow.
0: I guess it depends where you have to dump it too. You have to climb yes. a mountain of poop or you know how you're dumping yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah,
2: we have to hike a little bit of a way, so maybe that's it. Well, that's
0: probably it. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably it. We you know, I love the days when we had our big farm We just throw out the manure spreader right out out of the stall and just drive it out and spread it. I love those days. Yeah. That yeah. Was, that that was a lot of that's easier. fun. Yeah. I think hay wins, actually, looking at this total list. But I do too. Yeah. But
2: you're right, Glenn, in, in um a different time of year. Would have been a totally Oh, this difference. would have been,
0: all been dealing with ice and shoveling out gates. That's what this yeah. would have been. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Nobody said it was interesting because these were all things to do with the barn, not a not a thing to do with horses. Exactly. The horses themselves. Because I, exactly. I put that in there, you know, and I was figuring cleaning feet or, you know, brushing your horse or whatever it is, right? yeah.
2: Yeah, th- There was one that
0: said paying the bills. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Corinna said washing the horse trailer. I can relate to that. Yeah, um, but nobody
0: does that. Maybe. Yeah, Maybe. ours is
2: looking like it's got green mold on we it. We <laughs> may do
0: it when we get ambitious once a year. But nobody's Maybe. doing it regularly. No. And we're all supposed no. to take the mats out and clean under the mats and all that. And how many times has that been done?
2: yeah. Yeah, those mats are so heavy. It's just, it's
0: just and it smells bad. And you just go. If I can't yeah. see it, what would be the problem? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Those yeah. boards aren't rotting under there, <laughs> <laughs> covered in pee. They're not rotting. I, I I don't see it. La 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 la. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is true though. That's it,
2: it is. It is. I I just don't. And so we we don't have mats down. We just have the the run ins and and the. You know they can go in and out, and and uh, so that's one less thing to do.
0: All right, sounds good. Well, thanks, uh, auditors, for for participating in my crazy questions that I ask on a regular basis. Appreciate that, and thanks, Lisa, for filling in.
2: You are so welcome.
0: All right, it was fun. Well, we'll talk to you all on Friday. Jennifer and Mary will be with you tomorrow.
3: Congratulations! You made it through another post show. Thank you for all your support. Now, go ride your horse.